Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov. I'm Wendy Cherry, your host. And how perfect is it that today is Black Love Day? So happy Black Love Day to everybody. Um, So I wanted to introduce our guest here, Dr. Jazz. So welcome again. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. back. And I want to just share um, a little bit about Dr. Jazz. So Dr. Jasmine Abrams is a community health psychologist and research scientist who examines psychological and cultural factors related to health behaviors and health outcomes among marginalized populations focusing on women of African ancestry. She is currently an assistant professor of community psychology and behavioral medicine at the University of of Maryland, Baltimore County. And this is how we're going. This is what we're going to focus on today. She is also. (laughs) So you got a lot going on there, Dr. Jazz. You are the founder of the Spice Experience. So the Spice Experience is a company specializing in the promotion of sexual health and pleasure for women via education and skill building. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that before. Yes. So maybe. that's awesome. Let's get into that it. That is so awesome. We're going to get into it. <laughs> but what I want to talk about first is it's Black Love Day. So how apropos is that? Um, so let's just talk a little bit about that really, really quickly and um Black Love Day is in its 26th year. Wow. Bet you ain't know that. Mm-mm. Did you know? No. Nope, Jessica, know. did you know? Nope. Okay. <laughs> so it's in its 26th year. And it was created by Mama Ayo Handy Kendi. And it is celebrated on February 13th, which is today. We usually are green, but I'm just date stamping this today. It is the third nationally observed African American holiday, a holy day of atonement, reconciliation, celebration, and a 24-hour demonstration of black love. Mm, Doesn't that sound great? I love that. That sounds awesome, right? Yes. That sounds awesome. And you do that through five tenets. Now, the five tenets of loving acts. Mm. So this is not just something you're going to hashtag all day. This just ain't something you're going to get on a t-shirt. We're talking action. So acts, okay? Um, so the, th- the five acts are for the creator, for self, for the black community, and the black race, and the black family. So that's five. Black Love Day is an alternative to the commercial Valentine's Day. Mm. So it's really about self-love and the, and the love of our families and the love of our friends and the love of our community and for the creator. So that even sounds better than some chocolates and some, you know, and I ain't knocking chocolates, especially if it's cacao at like the 72% or higher, the dark chocolate. But what I'm saying is there is another more deeper situation that Mama Ayo has created for us. So if you can go on um, Twitter and you can go on all the socials and, and just see the hashtags there, but also be more for the next 24 hours, if you don't do something, Love yourself. Mm-hmm. And here is where we bring Dr. Jazz in. Because this is just one of the ways. So you love yourself in mind, body, spirit. This is in body that we're going to talk about here in this way. And so we're going to be talking about sex and the gaps of orgasms in sex. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just... Those types of things. So we talked about Dr. Jazz. And so now let's talk about what I'm calling the pleasure principle. 
I love it. Janet Jackson, when she had that Evian <laughs> bottle, and she was like, the pleasure principle. So the spice experience, in addition to all of the other studies that you're doing for, around women of African descent and how we're marginalized around the world, mm-hmm. not just here right. in the United States. Um, how did you get to then think about the Spice experience and the need to create a movement like that? It was actually two sort of things that were happening right around the same time um, in my professional life and then also in my personal life. So professionally, um, I've been doing uh, sexual health research, HIV prevention research for a number of years. And I went to another researcher's talk. Okay. She was also a sex researcher. And she started her talk by saying, I'm a sex researcher. And today I'm going to talk to you about sex. We're like, okay. Okay. And right. she said, but I'm not going to talk about sex in the way most researchers talk about sex. Most of the time when you hear researchers talking about sex, it's about bad things, negative things yeah. associated with sex. Unintended Mm -hmm. pregnancy, Mm -hmm. STDs, difficulties people are having. She said, today I'm going to talk to you about good things related to sex. Okay. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've never had this conversation before. Right. So she proceeded to present her work on um, sexual activity and depression. And essentially her findings were... Um, For women who were, she actually prescribed sex to depressed women in her study. Wow. She told them to have sex three times a week. It could either be partnered sex or um, sex with yourself. Okay. Masturbation. And what she found was that half the women in her study ended up coming off of their depressive meds (laughs) after three weeks of having sex three times a week. Wow. Okay. Well, it's almost like duh, but I also think it's not specifically depending on where you live and your spiritual practice and how you're socialized. Right. Absolutely. All those factors are hugely important. And I think related to some of those things, sort of what was happening in my personal life, being a graduate student, I was starting to unpack some of those things in my own life. Yeah. And, um, I actually, so a little self-disclosure, had my first orgasm in graduate school. Okay. And I was thinking, what in the world? Is this what was supposed to be happening all along? Right. So I start asking women in my family, um, cousins, aunts, best friends, loose associates, anyone who would entertain (laughs) me on the topic. Have you ever had an orgasm before? Right. And I was shocked that most of the women I spoke to had not. You said most of them had not. Most of them had not. And most of them actually said, I don't know. A good number said, no. But for the women who told me, I don't know, I said, oh, certainly Then you have have not. not. Right, I was going to say, I feel like you would know. You would certainly know. know. So it's so funny that you say that because I didn't have my first one until after college, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And so my sister and I used to always like joke about it. And so then one day I called her and all I said was, (laughs) I know now. (laughs) That was it. Because I could never reconcile why there was so much hurt and pain around mm, sex. Mm-hmm. So so for me, I'd always experienced it um, in hearing about it, about something bad. Mm-hmm. Somebody got pregnant, you know, or somebody had some disease or something and there was trauma about it or he left me after I did it mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't even considered that there could be something good about it. But then I'm, I'm just like, well, why are people keep doing it if it's so bad? Right. Like, why are people losing their families? Why are they cheating on each other? Why are they creating so much pain mm. to those who they have um, mistreated during this act? So why y'all keep doing it? And so I didn't. So then my I know now wasn't the pain part. It was the beauty part. Right. So I get that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about some stats. Okay. So you sent me an article from Psychology Today, Mm -hmm. right? Psychology Today. So we're talking real, real data here. And in one study examining about 800 college students, there was a 52% orgasm gap. 
mm-hmm. right? So what we're going to um, call this is the orgasm gap. Right. Okay. That is 39% of women mm-hmm. and 91% of men said that they usually or always experience an orgasm in partnered sex. No wonder. All right. Because that's why the guys are just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And we're just sort of like, okay, okay, okay. okay right. Mm-hmm. I, I could go without. Right. You know. Right. And then in a stat in a PubMed article that, that, that I found, uh-huh. found that 3,000 single women mm-hmm. and men in the U.S. ranging from 18 to 65 years old. When having sex with a familiar partner, the women said that they had an orgasm about 63% of the time. But the men, they still like blazing the trail. They're at 85%. Wow. Lucky you guys. Okay. So now this, this was the most hilarious part to me. So the question was asked in the article, why is there a gendered orgasm gap? Mm-hmm. Why, Dr. Jazz? (laughs) There are a host of reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, When we think about differences between men and women culturally and societally and how we're raising men and women around issues related to sex, um, yeah, there, there are a host of reasons. One of the main reasons, in my opinion, is the overemphasis on sexual intercourse as a means for right. orgasm. Right. And then also the prioritization of the male orgasm. Right. And when we sort of whittle those down into like what cultural phenomena really supports these two factors, mm-hmm. we're looking at patriarchy. Patriarchy. Patriarchy showing up in the bedroom. So let's just go back and define patriarchy for the people. Yeah, so patriarchy is essentially this um, cultural phenomenon where we have prioritized um, and overvalued men and their well-being. Um, And it's this ideal about men being the head, the most important, and essentially overvalued um, in comparison to women. Overvalued. Yeah. Okay. So that pretty much means that the guys are trying to get theirs. And and we have been socialized to help them get theirs by any means necessary or we'll feel like less than and then we don't get ours. Right. That's exactly okay. what's happening. They'll be asleep and you'd be like. And I think that's one of the primary examples when we look at sex as an act and see that most of the time sex ends when a man loses his erection. Mm-hmm. When a man orgasms, it's done. Yeah. It's done. We rarely, rarely see that when women orgasm. We rarely see that, oh, well, you know, I got mine, so I'm about right. to roll over and take a nap, right. take in the shower, or <laughs> get a bowl of cereal. <laughs> <laughs> right. So why do you think that we would play second I mean we've been socialized to, but really what what do you what does the data show or what does your research show? Of why we are willing to play second fiddle and allow that to happen and and not like, you know, advocate for our own pleasure. Yeah, I think, again, the patriarchy piece. But when I actually did um, a research study with black women looking at barriers to pleasure and what might prevent them from experiencing orgasm. And we heard a few different things. Um, One was that you like women generally as partners are focused on making sure that their partner is pleased. Okay. And there's evidence for this in that um, when we look at the orgasm gap, we definitely see it between men and women. Okay. But when we look at relationships in which there are two women, we don't see an orgasm gap. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, so some people think, oh, well, the woman's orgasm is just much harder to get and, you know, it's all complicated. Not so. It might be more difficult or more steps involved um, in comparison to a male orgasm. But when you look at two women being together um, sexually, the orgasm gap disappears. Wow. In terms of partnered sex. It's insane. Why is that the case? Because women are focused on pleasing 
their partners. Right. When you put two women together, they and that's happening like. simultaneously. Yeah. That's also a big part of it, too. Yeah, being okay. familiar with the anatomy. Okay, so the other thing is that women, that, that was in this PubMed study, is that many women are plagued by body image mm-hmm. and self-consciousness mm-hmm. during sex. So, And it says it's pretty much impossible to have an orgasm while you're worrying if you look fat or you're holding your stomach in. Right. Like, right. I can see that. <laughs> right. And I've had a lot of friends, too, especially um, women who've given birth and not just friends, but women in my research studies who, who talked about, you know, after birth, that was the hardest period for me to try and like get my sexual mojo back and Mm -hmm. really feel beautiful or sexy or desired. Um, Women talk about having stretch marks or their breasts being saggier, um, being a little bit more overweight than they're accustomed to and thinking about all of those things, maybe even thinking about does their vagina feel looser? A whole human just came out of it, you know? So um, those are some of the concerns that I've heard from women. And if you're thinking about that, while trying to have sex, you're not going to be able to be fully present for the activity. Right. And it's going to make it more challenging for you to actually experience pleasure and subsequently orgasm. Right. So I, I, you know, I looked at this study also and it said, finally, Mm -hmm. reaching orgasm requires a complete immersion in the sensations of the moment or the mindfulness. So you cannot, you're not being mindful if you um, are worrying about your stomach Mm -mm. or if you're worrying about if the baby's gonna cry or somebody's Mm -hmm. gonna bust in or if God's gonna strike you down. (laughs) Right. Because then there's that. (laughs) Then there's that. So let's talk about a little bit about that. Okay. What what has your research shown? Like, as far as well, I don't have the research. I just have the experience. I have the experience of being in specific spiritual systems where they tell you, while you're on your back, God is looking in your face, <laughs> and you will be condemned for having sex, for for fornicating, for um, you know, for seeking out and 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 um, experiencing this pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I can't even say for half the people I spoke to that it was pleasurable. Mm. One of my first experiences was being at a slumber party with my friends. And I'm in the 10th grade. They are in the 12th grade. I'm still a virgin at this point. I I was a late bloomer, okay? (laughs) Because of this night. Because of this night. So I'm sitting there listening to my girlfriends who I have known for many years talking about how... um, painful their experiences are now these are just seniors in high school at this point Mm -hmm. but they were just talking about how they didn't uh, enjoy none of it Mm. and and there was not one like giggly woo it was good it was all like mm -mm. and there might have been eight of us Mm -hmm. in this room and Mm -hmm. i'm the baby in this room so i remember hearing the stories and so i'm becoming traumatized Mm. and the last Word that I heard was one of my girlfriends said, Wendy, don't do it. Wow. That's what she told me. And because the little guy that was peeping at me and I was peeping at him at the time, that was one of his almost requirements. And I did not, uh, you know, I did not accept that challenge. And so then I was dropped. Uh So they were trying to say, it's okay. just let it go and Mm -hmm. so I did and Mm -hmm. it was just funny but then therein came so already having the spiritual part of it um being afraid and then having my girls that I loved and I know that they were holding me down and looking out for me because I did not want to be as sad as they were telling me these stories you know telling us sharing these stories so then I go to college and then I hear they know who's allowing everybody to sleep with them. So then they the hoes. Mm. So now they're talking about the hoes. And right. so I'm feeling like, okay, how can you win? Yeah. Because the girls who, the guys, they, they'll sleep with her and then they'll talk about her. Uh-huh. And so, you know, and then you start to see people who, women who are standing in their power sexually, but then they're looked at a certain way. Mm-hmm. Whereas the guys 
they like, you know, that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. So, so can you help us like deconstruct some of what that is? Yeah, I remember um, in the most recent study that we did when we were talking to women, um, one of the participants in the study called it the lap cloth syndrome. Huh, lap cloth. Lap cloth syndrome. Okay. And I had never heard of it. And I was like, please do tell us mm-hmm. what that is. Um, and essentially she was saying that, you know, when you're in church in some denominations, if your skirt is too short, oh, yeah. they, they're going to, the, the church mothers are going to come on over and bring you a lap cloth. Yeah. So you're not, um, sort of serving as a distraction to the men in the church, mm-hmm. um, so that you yourself don't look too, um, available, loose, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. overly friendly, mm-hmm. etc. And it, she was saying for her, that was one of the primary uh, sort of indicators of this culture of sort of repression of women's sexual nature, their desire, um, their ability to exude sex freely. Mm. And she was also talking about how that plays into relationships and uh, sexual encounters with women who've been socialized in a religious context, there being this desire um, sort of culturally for women to show up as prude. Yeah. You know, like, you don't want to show up like you know what to do. Right. (laughs) Okay. Because (laughs) if you know what to do, then that means you've had some experiences. And if you've had some experiences, the most ready assumption that people are going to make is that, Oh, you're a hoe. You're a hoe. You're right. You're a hoe. Oh, man. Right. So, yeah, I think religion has definitely played into um, people's experiences and as sort of a barrier in many instances. Um, and I don't want to say it's always a barrier, but in this context, the it example ain't always that you a barrier, gave. Because there's lots of little babies that pop up on, yeah. on the church girls. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so so it's, not a, it's not a barrier. But so this is the thing. So I also want to talk about is human uh-huh. and it's natural. It is. So the fact that the babies did probably pop up, it was only because they were um, listening to their instincts to procreate. Mm. And so it's really difficult even for me now with a, mo- as a, with a mom of a 16-year-old beautiful mm. little baby girl. And what it means to have these emotions and to have this um, energy that's natural. There is nothing bad or evil about it, right? Mm -hmm. It's just how you evolve and how human beings have evolved and how we procreate and how we, you know, extend our lives, you know, our, our species pretty much. Yeah. And so it's been interesting to try to balance that kind of, you know, what the media says, then then they got Instagram and then they're showing all different types of things. Right. And so what, what do you, what do you yeah. think about that? So the women actually in my study talked about social media in particular as a barrier to their sexual pleasure. So they oh. they talked about how if it's a, a man they're in a relationship with and we were interviewing um, and doing focus groups with heterosexual women. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said, you know, if I'm like dating a guy or if I'm in a relationship or married, I'm looking at what he's liking on Instagram and on Facebook. And when I'm scrolling through and seeing that he done like, you know, big booty Keisha's photos <laughs> and I know I don't look like big booty Keisha. That's what I'm thinking about when we're laying down to have sex. Like, is he imagining me as big booty Keisha? Does he wish I was big booty Keisha? Or just the anger of like, oh, he's so trifling. He liking those photos. He know I'm going to be right. upset about it, you know? Right. And that's where that's the headspace that you're in when you know, all of that is a, a distraction from the actual experience that you could be having. Right. So that's interesting because you can also be desensitized so young. Mm-hmm. And so did you ever, you know, talk about any of that or has any of your study groups or any of your friends ever just talked about like there's so much out there. I remember a few years ago I saw this meme and it had some you know, somebody was doing something and somebody posted, oh, that's what they doing out there now. I have no, like, I'm out. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm tapped out. Like, there's so much going on. How much of that is really real? Do you know? In terms of, like, the actual things people are doing to achieve pleasure or... 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel sure like I, well, I feel like it is real. People are doing things, uh-huh. but you know what I want to do. Let's just put a pin there for a second. Okay. So if you write that down where we were. Let's talk about the pleasure center. Okay, and why people are trying to get this pleasure in this way. So do you want to explain it or do you want me to explain it from your scientific? Well, I can give you what I know from uh, science. So there's sort of um, a pleasure triad, if you will. And on that triad, we have eating, which provides, you know, pleasure for us. Sleeping, which provides a certain degree of pleasure. And sex. These are three of our... I want to call them basic needs. And some folks would argue with me on sex being a need. Um, But at our most human sort of level, there is the desire to at least have sex. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so many benefits from an evolutionary perspective. If we're thinking about sex being something that not only sustains our humanity and like allows us to populate the earth, but... um, there's so many benefits to like what sex in particular orgasm okay um that hopefully would be experienced with sex so for example you're going to sleep better if you're having orgasms you're okay. going to have reduced levels of stress mm. your immune system is going to perform better you're going to be at a lower risk of cardiovascular disease and that's the number one killer Okay. Come on here. Okay. All right. All like right. there, there's so many different benefits, elevated mood, um, and even orgasm sort of, it's like a, the gift that keeps on giving. So the more orgasms that you're having, the more likely you are to continue to have orgasms in the future. The okay. more vaginal lubrication you'll experience during sex. Um, so there's, it's like literally a, the gift that keeps on giving. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So now who don't want that? Who don't want that? Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm thinking up, all, all of my friends that I, I'm thinking about and people that I talk to, we trying to sleep better. Right. You know, Reduce we're, we're the trying stress. to have less stress. Mm-hmm. And who don't want a healthy immune system? A cardiovascular system. <laughs> right. So I can tell you about it from an eating perspective because it's the same thing. Uh-huh. So when you're born... You have that dopamine that comes through when you're bonding with your mom, if you've been breastfed specifically. And then there's a little teeny bit of sugar that comes through her breast milk, the Mm -hmm. colostrum and then the breast milk. Mm -hmm. And that gives pleasure to the baby. And then the human being will always be hunting and seeking that pleasure. Right. And it comes in many ways. Right. It comes in chocolate. Mm -hmm. It comes in drugs. Because the body doesn't know how it's getting it. It just knows that the pleasure is what it's seeking. It wants that dopamine feeling. It wants that good energetic feeling. And so sex is one of the ways. And so that's also, in my opinion, why people just keep going to try to find it because they want that pleasure. And so maybe um, in some instances, they're not in good relationships or Mm. they're not safe. Mm -hmm. But in a safe relationship or in a safe experience with sex then I feel like then you get your shot of your your sleep better you're less stressed and your immune system is is enhanced Mm -hmm. so and for women and in other research studies what they found is that um women are actually having more orgasms in longer term committed relationships because of the safety issue and some researchers have hypothesized that it's the safetyness that women feel with a longer term committed partner um this is someone that they can communicate with mm-hmm. and they feel safer telling this person um actually babe can you do it a little bit like this or next time i want to try it like this right um and when we actually look at that particular strategy sexual communication it is the number one strategy cited hmm. for increasing women's experiences of orgasm. Sexual Simply telling your partner what you want to experience in a sexual encounter can be enough sometimes to um, sort of sway the pendulum, if you will, and, and increase your uh, opportunity for orgasm. That's amazing. I mean, communication usually is... Um good in any situation Mm -hmm. so now let's talk about you said that women in homosexual relation relationships lesbian relationships the gap the orgasm gap is smaller right 
it's it disappears. Oh, it disappears. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is it that they're doing? I mean, I'm I'm thinking so I don't have the science behind it, but I'm thinking that women know what women like. Mm-hmm. I've heard that term many years, um, and then. Something has to do with the clitoris, in my opinion. So talk to us about the clitoris in general. So for most women who are experiencing orgasm during partnered sex in particular, um, the clitoris absolutely positively has to be stimulated. There mm-hmm. are It's a very small percentage of women that exist in the world that don't need clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm okay. during partnered sex okay. or period. Okay. Um, so clitoral stimulation is hugely important. And sometimes that's not happening during partnered sex. It might happen before, during right. foreplay. Like they'll think that's the foreplay. Right. Okay. But it should be all the play. It should be happening continuously all throughout, if possible. Yeah, right. Okay. So the clitoris, in my studies, has like 4,000 to some odd thousand pleasure uh, uh, nerving nerve endings yeah actually nine nine thousand nine nine thousand pleasure endings yeah, nerve endings yeah and it was created specifically for pleasure specifically for pleasure and it actually has so men often talk about like the head of their penis being the most sensitive part and science has also found that the head of the penis has the most nerve endings in comparison to other parts of the penis but the clitoris has at least twice as many nerve endings than the head of the penis has. Right. So imagine that sensitivity amplified. Right. You know? Okay. And so, you know, I think that, I think women do know this because I think when you're little, you figure that out. I don't think you know the science behind it, but I think if you're a curious little child, like many of us were, yes, Cole, really? Yep. (laughs) See, we we trying to learn you something. Okay. So, um, I think you find that out when you're young, but you don't really know the science behind it. You just know, Oh, that, that felt good. Oh, okay. Well, let me just keep doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you get the, the conditioning from society that says, if you keep doing that, you're going to get the hairy palms. And I, and I even heard that you could go blind. Haven't y'all heard that? I mean, y'all know y'all heard that. I heard that all my life. I always heard people say that. So it was always a scary thing to um, consider masturbation because I wasn't trying to get them hairy palms and I wasn't trying to be blind. And so I think that and then we're talking sex education. So you uh-huh. said sexual communication. Right on. And with sexual communication, there has to be education. Right. And so the education part for me was in the fifth grade when you got your little letter. Well, my mom shared the basics mm. with us, right? What what a mom would in the 70s share, don't bring no babies home. And we had this really cute book called How Where Do I Come From? Oh. And it it was a a cartoony book and it did show a little detail about the baby and whatever. So my mom was always cutting edge and and uh, early adapter of things. So we had that. But then I remember in the fifth grade you had it was sex ed time. Mm -hmm. You had to get the note home. Mm -hmm. And then they talked about probably very basic things right. and for the girl and it was separate the girls right. in, in one room the guys in the other uh-huh. and then um they talked about the period right and up to that point i would think you know publicly maybe only a few girls had had their period but they were the ones where everybody was going someone so had their period mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she was feeling like you know, and this specific girl was already had body in like the fifth grade. Mm. Right. So I can imagine how um, uncomfortable she was because we knew she had her period. I don't even think did we think that that made her sexual? I don't know. But I read that was the education. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. Right. So we have my brother here, Cole, talking about really. And he about 45 so, you know, to never know these things, it's the communication, but the education. So talk to us about how um, using the Spice Experience, your company, that you help to educate at least women. But then where do the brothers get it? 
from? Yeah, so <laughs> let me just take a step back. So right now the current administration that we have is actually advocating abstinence-only um, sexual health education. Okay. Um, and that's a huge challenge, not only for people like me who do sex research and sort of advocate sexual health promotion and um, disease reduction and prevention, but um, it's also, if we're doing abstinence, on, we're going to be in a much worse space with regard to pleasure than we already are in um, because there's a huge lack of comprehensive sexual education. So even in the school systems, there's no mention of sex for pleasure. No, I've never I heard pleasure until like maybe last year. <laughs> <laughs> like that you could have it for pleasure. Yeah. Right. Even though I, I really do believe kids earlier than the sex ed starts have a realization, an indication that sex is something that people are doing for pleasure. Um, they watch TV even when you tell you know you have them close their eyes they're doing like this watching the movie and they are understanding that this is something that people are doing to experience something that seems to be a good thing okay Um, even though like the parents might be saying ah this isn't for you you're a kid Um, and so yes with the Spice Experience I'm trying to make an effort to offer people some comprehensive education some knowledge particularly women about their bodies, yeah. about the benefits of orgasm, the importance of orgasm. And really what I tell women, we do this affirmation in the beginning, is that you're entitled to this. I wrote deserve down here. Yes, this you is what deserve, I wrote. sis. You deserve. If it's something that you're going to be providing for yourself, you deserve it. If it's something that you're going to be doing with a partner, you absolutely deserve it. As much pleasure as we try to provide for others, we deserve that same amount and sometimes more in yeah. return. Yeah, It should be a, a relationship that's like, symbiotic you know this is something where we're both giving we're both receiving Mm -hmm. and it's not just necessarily one person's responsibility to make the other person happy and I do want to say that men are sometimes in the opposite position where they are you know definitely the individuals who um, are prioritizing their partner's pleasure but when we talk about statistics it's more often women who are in that position who are prioritizing their male partners and end up being neglected. Sometimes I think that the men are so in their heads and because it's just set up for them this way, they don't even have a clue that 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 even though there might be action taking place, that what's happening in the mind and in the heart and in the spirit of the woman is not what's being portrayed there. Mm, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's almost like we set them up too to even you know, go for what this is to, to let them have their happy ending and then we not feeling fulfilled and then we'll go talk about it. Yeah. But, you know, because like you're saying, we don't have the education. We don't we don't we might know what feels good to ourselves, but we don't want to say it for fear of whatever. There's lots of different fears. So we have yeah. we're so for those of us who are on the radio, we have a Facebook live going and our new side brother Cole Parker says he doesn't agree that a small amount of women only have non-clitoral orgasms. Quite a few of them have G-spot climax as well, and they yeah, do. Yeah, you're right, Cole, Yeah, but we're not saying they don't. You're, you're right, but statistically, when mm-hmm. we survey thousands of women at a time, there is a small minority of women who are having G-spot orgasms without clitoral stimulation. Generally, when women are having G-spot orgasms, there is a combination of stimulation through the G-spot and the clitoris at the same time. And if you look at women's sort of internal makeup, when we think about the clitoris, actually what we're referring to when we say the clitoris is only the clitoral head. The clitoris actually extends out. Right, it looks out. like a wishbone almost. It looks like a wishbone almost. Okay. And we often leave out those parts of the clitoris that also have um, a high concentration of nerve endings. And when you also look at the internal anatomy with where the clitoral head sits and where the G-spot can often be stimulated, those regions are very, very close to each other. Hmm. Mm-hmm. See, that's the education that we, you know, that we need. So where where would somebody even, you know, OK, so you have the spice experience mm-hmm. and what is the experience that you provide to 
It's just women. Right now we're just women. Although I have gotten many, many messages from men. Like, what? when are you doing something for men? Right, right. Because I think, so like going back to the deserve part, if you've already been brainwashed into thinking that it's bad mm-hmm. and that it's evil and that you shouldn't do it, if you shouldn't masturbate and that you should only be in certain kinds of relationships. So like one of my questions was, um, I was making an agenda and one of the questions was like who gives us permission mm. to access pleasure mm. like who are we giving the who are we giving the access to say yes you may or no you may not and yes you may but just in this way mm-hmm. who why are we well we are conditioned to do that but so let's shift the mind and think that we have agency over our own pleasure yeah so is that kind of like what you teach yeah definitely like right in the beginning we do some affirmations and we talk about the power of affirmations and why women actually deserve these things the benefits of orgasm and not just physical benefits so early we talked about physical benefits but there's some spiritual mental emotional benefits as well dr jazz we're on the same page i wrote (laughs) spiritual right there we're on the same page thinking Mm -hmm. about it because there are lots of benefits and i am not claiming to know many of them but i know that it keeps coming to me Right. To study. And it keeps coming to me to learn more about those spiritual ways, because what I'm told is that your sexual energy is your energy to connect to the creator. Mm -hmm. And for women in your womb area, that's your most creative area. And you're either. (laughs) So I like to say you're either creating a baby or a business, or mm. an idea, or a concept. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, I literally so have that, that written down. Creative, life-giving energy is what we have the power to manifest through our sexual pleasure um, and through orgasm. Literally, there are some women who've sort of harness this power um, that we have through sexual pleasure and they masturbate at strategic times. Mm. So, you know, if I'm looking to give energy or life to something, I'm going to masturbate before I do it so that I can fully bring life to this project or this business or um, even writing. Some women say that they masturbate before writing to sort of really help get their creative energy flowing Okay, um, or before doing any sort of uh, work that I call deep work where you really deep brain work where you really need your brain energy to be functioning at its highest capacity in order to to do some really good work. Um, and some that's amazing. Yeah. Some uh, practitioners, I'll say, have also cited this energy as a healing energy, mm-hmm. um, particularly when women are able to have the G spot orgasm that Cole mentioned, those vaginal orgasms that so few women have actually ever experienced in life. Mm-hmm. Um, less than half of women have experienced I'm on the other them. side. I'm on the other side. <laughs> But it's not often enough. And it's not often enough. But these particular orgasms can literally undo years of sexual trauma, can undo years of hurt and pain and undo years of stress. Like literally they harness a huge a resource of power. It's so interesting. And this is TMI. My mom is probably like that Wendy. (laughs) But, you know, the day when I was like, I know now it was, uh, you know, a vaginal orgasm. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of like the first one I had. So then I know I had to like step back and downgrade my joint. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, that's not what I was intending to do. But I realized that's what happened. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Yeah, there's actually a woman, um, I'm blanking on her name right now, but she's a great sort of uh, resource in terms of being able, being a source of knowledge around these topics. And what she actually calls clitoral orgasms are like, paltry like, like for what right. kind of orgasms in comparison to a, a deep vaginal orgasm or a combination orgasm where you experience the vaginal and clitoral orgasm together at the same time mm-hmm. that's interesting so I really love the um like the bringing together the mind body and the spirit so we talked about the mind part of it where you know we have to be mindful 
and be able to like block the other things out and get laser focused. Right. And I, I would say on knowing ourselves first. Mm-hmm. So this is me being a mirror and the guide. I, I'm in the mirror here talking to myself about like that's something that's really important so that you can go back and have the communication about what you like and have it unapologetically. Right. And I will say, too, that some women actually have a hard time arriving at that first step of what do I like? Mm. Because generally in sex, they're so focused on what is my partner like? Does he like this? Is he enjoying it? Oh, is this going to make him feel better or make me the best person he's ever had? That there's none or little attention focused on what do I like? Am I enjoying this? How can I communicate to him? Um, and sometimes women are afraid of bruising the male ego. Like, I don't want him to feel like, you know, he messing up or right. I don't want him to lose his erection or feel bad about this or not think he's my best partner. So I'm just going to keep quiet about it. Um, and that's one of the things that can sort of prevent women from communicating. But right. going back, just knowing what you like Right. Knowing what you like. And for a lot of women, that's discovered through self-love and Mm self-pleasure. Some women is discovered through having a a very attentive partner who's willing to take their time and explore, do trial and error with you to figure out what are some of the things that you like? What do you what don't you like? Um, And even with regard to self-pleasure. Um, There's one study that I also love done with thousands of women. They identified at least 12 different strategies Hmm. that women use during self-pleasure to bring themselves to orgasm. Send me that article. I'll send it to you. I'll put it in the notes for you guys. Just for you guys. Essentially, that's just a... A message, the take home message from that is that there are so So many ways. ways. Yeah. And all 12 might work for you. One might work for you. All you need is one. All you need is one. (laughs) (laughs) But it might take you 12 different times or 12 different types of activities to figure out what's the best approach for you or more than 12. True that. True Mm -hmm. that. And so I I do. So we were talking the spiritual part just this one second. I do want to go back to Mm -hmm. if. You are not getting this energy, then you can become stagnant. Mm -hmm. And the stagnancy in the womb creates all types of havoc on us, too, including what I'm learning is fibroids and PCOS Mm -hmm. and other things and, you know, sexual traumas, whether you've been. Um, touched when you didn't want to be or whether you just had sex with somebody that you didn't really want to Mm. or you wanted to and then they hurt you afterwards so then you internalize the pain Mm. there's so many different ways so you're said what you're saying is that you know um having sex in a safe relationship what they don't have to be your your straight up partner but Mm -hmm, having mm -hmm. sex in a place where you feel safe and comfortable and then you know what you want or you can have somebody be um you know willing to work with you on figuring out what you want then that could be healing so we talking marvin gay sexual healing marvin was on okay marvin was marvin knew Okay. <laughs> he knew the, the song is golden and that's that's legit. Like, I could tell he did when he had on them tight green pants and the way he was moving. I was like, I think he knows he something. Knows and I'm some. in the sixth I'm grade when that came out. out. But I was like, Marvin knows. Marvin be knowing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about some of the strategies you teach because I think we have like 12 minutes left or so. Okay. What are some things that the sisters can do? And for the one brother who might be or might not be listening later, what can we do to help us start to explore so when we're thinking about self-pleasure in particular and i think that's a great place to start Mm -hmm. if you're having trouble orgasming um, or experiencing sexual pleasure with a partner um, starting with yourself i think is really really awesome some women have challenges um with the idea of touching themselves Mm -hmm. at all period Mm -hmm. um so moving beyond that even if you you know you got to take some baby steps um some women have actually never seen their vagina a lot of us will use a mirror or whatever we have to look down there check Mm -hmm. it out Mm -hmm. but some women don't some women are like don't want to look at it right and then i heard recently this woman say she saw it for the first time and she didn't like what she saw. So then that was extra trauma. Right. And I will say too, often the 
one of the misconceptions about self-pleasure is that you need to watch porn in order to sort of get going or right. get some inspiration. And some people do, and that's fine, but it's not necessary. Okay. Um, and when you're thinking about like the influence of porn and sort of popular media on our perceptions of what our body should like, there are a million different ways that the vagina can look and it changes all over the world with what a desirable vagina looks like. So in the States, it like what I've heard is that a desirable vagina is like one where the external lips, the outer labia cover the inner labia like you don't see the inner labia okay but in another country they are actually stretching women's inner labia because that's a more beautiful vagina to see the inner labia coming out of the outer labia think about that which here's i've I've seen awful things online about like oh it looks like you know this person has had x many thousands of partners because her vagina looks like this vaginas come in many different shapes and sizes so i think Looking at, and this is one of the uh, great things about the resource I mentioned earlier about, um, it's called OMG Yes, and it's this really wonderful um, compilation of women's experiences with self-pleasure and even partner pleasure too, but they actually give their strategies and they show you on their vaginas, like, this is what I do to my vagina to achieve an orgasm. Oh. And then you can actually practice. If you use your cellular device to access the content, you can <laughs> practice on their vagina and it moves with your finger. Like, it's it's one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. Wow. Um, but it gives you practice with actually utilizing the technique on um, a vagina that looks normal some of them are Mm -hmm. shaved Mm -hmm. some of them are not shaved some Mm -hmm. of them have ingrown hairs like these are standard everyday vaginas not a vagina that has been sort of primed and pampered for (laughs) your television purposes right (laughs) you know so yeah starting with yourself um And figuring out, utilizing some of these great resources like the one I just mentioned, figuring out what brings you pleasure, I think is the number one step. One of the things that I recommend to women in my classes, if you're having trouble, start with trying to simultaneously stimulate all five of your senses. Mm. So that's that's going to help you, like going back to our earlier conversation, be more present be more mindful Mm -hmm. if you are smelling something that gets you in the mood or makes you feel sexy if you have on sometimes women only put on lingerie for a partner Mm -hmm. but they like the way that they feel in lingerie like it's you know some women will say well I'll do it for myself like earlier in the day if I know I'm going to have sex with a partner later on right because it makes me feel sexy you can do that for yourself right? also. Okay. You know, so you got your, your aroma therapy going on. Maybe you got some candles. You got some music. We all have our songs that mm-hmm. get us in the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to something that gets you in the mood. Visuals. So if it's pornography that gets you in the mood, if it's using your own imagination, some people think about, you know, maybe a Morris Chestnut, Michael Ely, okay, (laughs) Um, Idris Elba, but whoever Whoever. it might be for you, your boyfriend from 12th grade or college or, you know, whoever the individual was or individuals are, like drawing them up in your imagination, sometimes that works. Reading. Okay. Erotic literature also sometimes works for women. Um, But whatever it is, like really trying to draw you into a place of sexual pleasure, bring you into the moment, get you off of whatever happened at work. Right. Get you out of whatever's happening in the news. Get you out of your own mind. Get you out of your own mind. Whatever Mm -hmm. your body looks like, whatever you're self-conscious about, get you out of all of those things and really just get you into your body, what you're experiencing, what feels good to you, and just being there. And one of the other things that um, researchers have found have been helpful also is not thinking about the end goal. So sometimes our preoccupation with like, well, I've been trying this for 20 minutes and nothing is happening will take us out of the experience of pleasure in and of itself and could possibly like our preoccupation with experiencing an orgasm might also lead us to not experience the orgasm because it's another thing that's keeping us out of the present moment. Right. 
those are some good tips. Yeah. So you have the spice experience and you you go around and you teach these these principles and she's coming here one of these days we're gonna yes, we're gonna do something here. We have to do but it. But so like what are the women saying since you've been doing it? What has been your reaction? And then let's I wanna know what has been the reaction, but what did your mom say when you told her you were starting this? <laughs> um so <laughs> I don't wanna put my mother out, but she had an initial like very like really Jasmine this is what you're gonna do mm-hmm. but then she got into it okay. and she was excited about it she came to the launch event okay. and um, she's also been inquiring about different tips and okay. different things so she's gotten into it and she's been supportive and I'm appreciative um, and then what was your other question just, like what has been the impact that you've heard yes. from women oh my goodness so one of my favorite um, reviews or comments from a client. Um, And so let me also say, in addition to teaching Mm self-pleasure, we also teach women skills for pleasuring their partners, because that is something that's very important to women, as we as we've seen in our research. Mm -hmm. And that also helps to provide women a sense of sexual confidence that helps them be present in the moment, that helps them get out of their minds. If you know you putting it down, you don't have to worry about like, dang, is he enjoying it? I don't know if he likes it. Does he think, does he want me to be big booty Keisha? You can see (laughs) that he wants you to be exactly who you are doing exactly what you're doing. Uh. So we give women strategies for partner pleasure as well. And so one of my clients from a partner pleasure course, um, she said, and she was on the verge of, uh, like, they had already um, gotten engaged. They were about to be married. She wrote me afterwards and said, that was the best sex we've had of our entire relationship. And afterwards, he was like, what ha- like what happened? Mm-hmm. What was different? What did you do? Where did you go? Like, tell me what the difference was. And honestly, she didn't even get a full class. She got a teaser class. Okay. So these tips and these strategies are working for some folks. Another one um, that I love, another review that I love was a client that told me um, her and her partner actually got pregnant on the night that she used some of the tips and tricks from the class. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's awesome. What um what do you see for the future for the Spice Experience? I know you kind of just launched in the summer. Was it last mm-hmm, summer? At the very end. But yeah. like since you're getting this um, feedback, what do you want it to do moving forward for women? I want two things. What I envision in the future, one is this being a resource so women can um, come to the classes. We also do fun events like bachelorette parties, birthday parties, Mm -hmm. um, those kinds of things. So utilize us as a source of fun, but you're also going to get some knowledge and skills while you're getting the fun. Um, And then also utilize us as a resource for improving your sex life via class. Or if the class group thing is not for you, we also do individual consultations as well. And who's we? We, so I have a team um, of really awesome young women in Baltimore that have uh, just really stepped up and supported my vision for this work. Okay. Um, So it's two primary uh, women, but we also have two other women that work offsite to sort of support the vision of the company as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now we have three minutes left. Yeah. So let's talk about one, where they could um, find you. Right. And um, then let's talk about like your final last like tip. Okay. Strategy or whatever it is going to be <laughs> okay. to empower the sisters and whoever else wants to be empowered around sexuality and pleasure. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at the spice experience. So keep in mind the word experience is spelled with an X. So we start the word experience with an X. Okay. So the spice experience, or you can find me um, or us at our website, www.spiceexperience.com. And again, there you can uh, book us for your private party. You can find out when our upcoming classes are. You can also um, purchase some of the toys and uh, other resources that okay, we so recommend. Okay, so you sell things on your site? Okay. Yeah, we sell things on the site, um, often at a, a lower price than you're going to find at your other retailers, same products. Um, and then in terms of my last tip, 
So there is a woman that I absolutely love. She inspires me. And her name is um, Audre Lorde. Uh And I'm trying to pull right now a quote. What I'd like to leave folks with is a quote from Audre Lorde. Okay. Here we are. She wrote this beautiful essay on the power of the erotic. Okay. And so she talked about how we often relegate the power of the erotic to just the bedroom. Like, we just want women to be sexually empowered, and that's great. They're going to have great sex and experience the benefits of great sex. But what I took away from that essay was she also talked about how that power extends beyond the bedroom. Okay. And leads to a generally more empowered woman. So... I want to leave you guys with a quote. She says, as women, we need to examine the ways in which our world can truly be different. When I speak of the erotic, I speak of it as an assertion of the life force of women, of that creative energy empowered, the knowledge and use of which we are now reclaiming in our loving, in our work, in our lives. That's beautiful. And we'll end there. Thank you, Dr. Jazz. Thank Thank you. you. This was such great information. I'm going to get that quote from Dr. Jazz and we're going to put it in the notes. And until next time, we'll see you again in the sanctuary. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Sanctuary. Please follow us at Awaken and Heal on Instagram and on the web at goddess-awaken.com to follow the revolution.